0: Uh, In the last few um, times that I've shared with you in a teaching session, I've been talking on Wednesday night and on Sunday, I've been dealing with some very important things. And I'll continue to do that uh, today uh, because of the subject matter. I don't want to throw it all out at once. So on Wednesday nights and Sundays that I'm teaching, we'll continue to uh, investigate uh, what I'm going to share with you today, and I'll kind of catch you up if you say, well, I can't remember what uh, we talked about on Wednesday or Sunday when Pastor was teaching. Of course, we've had some some uh, uh, parentheses in the last few weeks. We had family month, and so we were focused on that. So there are things that are interjected that uh, we kind of take a little abbreviated Uh, rest from some processes maybe. But today I want to get back into some very important things. But before we do, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to be with us today. How many glad you know the Lord today? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessings. Lord, and your goodness to us today, the privilege we have to be in church. Lord, to worship you. Lord, to lift up your name. Lord, I pray you would anoint us today to hear your word. Touch us Touch me, Lord, today to speak your word, Lord. For it's your word, Lord, that we put our faith in. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And I thank you for that. Let it encourage faith. Let it engender faith in us, Lord. In Jesus' name. And we praise you for it. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's review just a minute. I I think there's a few slides I'll go through with you just for a minute. Uh, for us to get a grasp on kind of where we are. Uh, in, a few weeks ago, or it was about a month and a half ago, we talked about uh, us being a purchased possession, that God purchased us with the blood of Jesus Christ. We are not our own. How many believe that? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are not your own. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you don't belong to me. You belong to God. You belong to God. Okay. And, and we uh, talked about God building a house or a place of habitation. Everybody say a house. And how many remember kind of vaguely we, started, we talked about a house, God building a house? Uh, and if they just go forward, when I point at the screen, that's the magic finger. There we go. Uh, and we talked about three things, and we won't deal with all of them. We talked about the attributes of God, who God is. Everybody say his attributes. What God is building has a foundation and that foundation does not change right? It's going to support the building it's going to support the building what he's doing and it's it doesn't change okay uh, the next thing we looked at is ha- it when God builds he, he not only has some things that are unchangeable there are there's a framing uh, that how those attributes translate into everyday life, into principles that we live by, we see the building start going up. The framework. Can I say the framework? The framework. The stuff that holds the building together. It's the attributes of God applied in a daily life called principles. These are things we live by. Everybody understand? that A lot of that is unseen. Most, in fact, the principles of it are unseen. They're way deep in your heart, and people usually don't see the two by fours and the beams. They see what we deal with next, which, well, I don't guess it's next because I took it out. Now that I think about it, uh, the walls and the the, the sheetrock and all of that, and we'll get to that at some point in in the future. Uh, we we're going to deal with seven things eventually uh, that that have to do with how this relates to us in our lives. Uh, God has an identity. He has an identity, uh, and we can find that identity. And then we're going to talk about the love of God, the authority of God, the beauty of God, the modesty of God. Everybody say the modesty of God. Now this is interesting because I remember preaching a message years ago called the modesty of God. And in fact, it caused an individual much consternation because as soon as I said that title Uh, a lot of squirming and and facial, you know, like, what's that? And so when it was over, they they approached me and said, there is no such thing as modest. God is not modest because he's a spirit. Well, wait a minute. If Jesus Christ is the revelation of who that God is, (laughs) I would say one of the attributes of God is that he's modest because that's been revealed to us, hasn't it? Okay, anyway, the integrity of God, the salvation of God. These are very important things. We'll look at those. Um, the frame is what supports the whatever that says under there. I think it's out. Let's just go on. That's not so important right now. <laughs> everybody say, there we go. Everybody say the finished walls. That's the stuff that everybody sees. That's the stuff at work. That's what they see. When we're at home, that's what our kids see. Right? Remember, remember us talking about your neighbors driving by and there's things they see outside? But you're the one that sees the inside. Remember that? Okay. Let's go a little further. Uh, today, we're going to deal with the attributes. Everybody say the attributes. Let's go to the next one, I think. Yes, we're ready to get off to a start here. Psalms 90 and verse 2. Let's quote it together out loud. For even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Let's say it again, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There's a couple of very important words, well, all of those are important, but for our focus today, everybody say everlasting to everlasting. God is eternal, He had no beginning, He'll have no ending. And from everlasting to everlasting, He is God. So the next two weeks, uh, we're going to see who God is and how that applies to me. Who God is and what that has to do with me. Somebody say amen. So our focus will be how these attributes affect our lives in the area of what we would consider, and here's the term holiness. Everybody say holiness. Now when we say the term holiness, immediately people start thinking of doing are not doing something. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the character of God, which is holy. There is no shadow in him, much less darkness. In him is life, and that life was the light of men. Somebody say amen. He is, he is light. Uh, there are things that were established before creation and before Genesis one one, there are things that were established before the creation of the world. Now I know you say, "Well, that doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm only gen- interested in in the story that relates to me." Well, what happened before we were created does relate to us. So let's 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 talk about that today for just a little while. Uh, first thing I think is very important is. Holiness now not a standard of living or not the not the the walls and the, the 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 finishing product, but the the character of God is not something added, is not something God thought up after He made man. Holiness is not a thought of God that developed after man messed up a bunch of stuff. So if that's the case, then holiness is not about. Ten Commandments that say do this and don't do that. Holiness was uh, here long before man was ever created. Right? So it has to be deeper than just even the uh, tables of stone. Right? Holiness has to do more with, with just uh, living a certain way. It was God himself himself who brought holiness out of eternity because he is God from everlasting, everybody say everlasting, to everlasting. So in between the parentheses of time, on both ends of that parentheses of time, there is everlasting or eternity and eternity. And God is God before time. And God is God when time shall be no more. Right? Right? So, it was God Himself who brought holiness into a temporal world, into time. If that is the case, then holiness is not a set of standards created by a pastor or church or group of people to just govern the conduct of a bunch of people. God is holy. God is holy. And He's always been holy, and He will always be holy. Somebody say, Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord today so I can get a drink of coffee here. It's funny, I bring that coffee and I never find a good time to drink it. So we'll just clap every few minutes so I can drink some coffee. God is holy. He doesn't change. They are universal, everlasting. God is universal, everlasting, and unchanging. What we are really saying is God's identity, who he is and what He's like. Somebody say, what is God like? Well, I think the Lord wants us to know what He's like. People say, well, I'm not sure who God is or what He's like. Well, I think He wants us to know what He's like. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God wants you to know what He's like. Now, this is the wonderful thing about it. Uh, since He is the same yesterday, today, and forever... You don't have to go for any retraining. You're not going to get him identified and then uh, four years later, you're going to have to re-identify him. He's not going to go through an identity crisis and you know him as one thing and four years later, he shows up and he's dressed up as something else. He's always the same. In fact, if I find him, if I find, if I investigate, and I find out he's faithful, then I know he will never cease to be faithful, regardless of what the enemy says or circumstances try to convince me of. If I know that God is love, then I know he's going to love me even when I don't feel loved. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Everybody shout everlasting. Everlasting. Yeah, from everlasting to everlasting. So let's deal with a couple of things today. And the first one is a God you can trust. Say that with me. A God you can trust. Hebrews 9 verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I want to tell you right now, everybody in this room can serve God. Don't tell me, well, you don't know where I came from. It's harder for me. No, everybody in this room can serve God. And you serve him not because of your background. You serve him not because you were raised in a church or not raised in a church. You serve him because he did something in your life through the eternal spirit. Isn't that the truth? Man, look at all of us. We came from all kind of different places in life. We all came from different backgrounds, but we all are here by one thing, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. We're here because he changed our lives. I'm thankful for that. The Bible says, how much more, if the blood of bulls and goats cleanse those people, how much more shall the blood of Christ through who? Through the eternal spirit. Everybody say eternal spirit. I want you to notice that word, just leave it up there. I want you to notice that word; those two words, eternal spirit. That means a God who always was and always will be. Everybody say eternal spirit. John said it, no man has seen God at any time nor can see him. God is a spirit, right? He is the eternal spirit. Somebody say amen. Say eternal spirit. <laughs> I'm going to kill myself on that carpet. Not only is he the eternal spirit, he is the described also in the word as the Holy Spirit. Think God, who has distinct character traits, and they are summed up in the term holy. The Bible describes it as that. Not only is he the eternal spirit, he is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit brings Things out in our lives in a believer, uh, they are called. In, in and you know, I don't have time to chase all this in Galatians five. When the Holy Ghost comes into our lives, when the Holy Spirit, which is the earnest of our inheritance, is everybody okay? It's not everything God is, but it is Him in us. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Somebody say amen. So it's, it's Christ in us who we know it's the spirit that dwelt in Christ. And what is the spirit that dwelt in Christ? It was God. So we have life in us. Okay. Uh, so in, and when that's the case, the Bible says when that principle of life comes into you through the Holy Spirit, that it produces Fruit. Fruit. Everybody say fruit. Fruit of the what? Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say fruit of the Spirit. So when God comes into you, there is fruit that is produced. Let, let's try. Let's try to name those. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. We don't have any of that without the Holy Ghost in us. So that must mean these traits are not only what God is like. These fruits of when he comes into our lives that are produced without our effort, these show us what he is not like. If this shows us what he is like, then we can deduce what he's not like. Okay, let's look at this. If God is love, then that means he cannot be self-centered for his own self-interest. No, no, you can't have it both ways. If he is love, and he has to be, because when the Holy Ghost comes in us, that's what's produced in us. We didn't get that by ourselves. God gave us that. So he's love and if he is love he cannot be detached for his own interest. He cannot be narcissistic. Oh man that's a word right now. We, this is eating up this world we live in right now. Self-centered. Hello? Anyway if God is joy he cannot be depressed. That's right. If God is peace then he is not nervous or agitated today. If God is long-suffering, that means he's he's not quick-tempered. If he is kind, that means he's not cruel. Wait a minute, you cannot... if, If this is what he is, then it also means what he's not. And if he's kind, he cannot be cruel. It's impossible. If he's good then there's no evil in him. There's no ulterior motive. God's not playing games with you. He's good. He always will be good. He's faithful. Everybody say he's faithful. Then that means if he is faithful, he will never be unfaithful. Oh, praise God. Anybody feeling what I'm feeling? Oh, come on, clap your hands to the Lord. If he's gentle, you understand what I'm saying. Now, what I'm saying is what God does in a believer evidently shows us who he is because he cannot produce this in us by his Holy Spirit and him not be that. That's what he is. So by imparting who he is into us, we get a portion of what he is. Now, that's not all that he is, but that's a good starting point, isn't it? Yeah. If God is gentle then he'll never be harsh or rough. Now this is tough. God is self-controlled. Wow. Think of that. God controls himself. How would you think God controls himself? Just give me a thought of how God would be self-controlled. Think about it. He doesn't strike down evil on the spot. How many of us, if we were God, there'd be some things we'd set straight pretty quick. That's right. If we were God for a day, we'd know where it was supposed to rain and where it wasn't supposed to rain. We'd control all the weather weather patterns. In fact, there'd be no widows, there'd be no widowers, there'd be no cancer, there'd be no child abuse, right? We'd live in a perfect world, right? If we, amazingly, that's what He tried to give us. Oh, but now it's his fault because it's all messed up, right? Oh, that's another lesson. Anyway, self control. He doesn't strike down evil. Uh, let's talk about uh, if God is self controlled, let's talk about what people try to demand him to do. Have you ever said, now, God, if you're God, you'll do this? I've done that. Have you done that? Well, sure, I have. I remember. Six to fifteen fifteen years old and she was beautiful and God, if you're God, that'll be my wife. <laughs> he's self-controlled. And I'm really thankful today that he is. Sometimes you you ought to praise God today because he's self-controlled, because there's some things you've asked for that you look back and say, Oh, thank God he didn't give me that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God knows how to control himself. Whoa. How I many people would get up and write a sign or, you know, Hollywood elites that are so smart and they talk about how there is no God and, he, you know, how can you serve this God? And, and you know, it'd be... It'd be and God's up there on the throne and the dude could just zap them. I mean, he could just render them... A, he could give them a lobotomy right now. Some of you don't... lobotomy... It's take their mind right out of their head. Just disconnect all the connections and they they all of a sudden they can't do anything. He could do that. And I've seen people marching and I thought, you know, if there was a God, I think I'd strike those folks dumb right now. No, that's already the problem. They are dumb. <laughs> I think I'd strike them dumber. But he doesn't, does he? Self control. How many people stood out in the graveyard and shook their fist at God and gave Him a piece of their mind? You know God's self-control, don't you? Because anybody else would have smacked you real good. You want to hear about God's control of Himself? Read the entire book of Job. For 37 chapters, we hear the saga just roll on and roll on and finally God stands up and said, okay, it's time for me to say something. God is self-controlled, isn't He? Oh, yes, he is. So, And if that's the case, then he's not ever out of control, right? And since God has shown us what he's like and what he's not like, then every person ought to be able to trust him. I ought to be able to trust him because I know what he's like and I know what he's not like. Here's the problem, and I think... It's a problem for all of us, just as it was in the, in the days of Israel and the children of Israel. The Bible has a very important uh, verse. It, all of them is important, but interesting verse. I believe it's in Psalms 40, maybe 41, 42, somewhere in there. The Bible talks about God showing his ways to the children of Israel, but he showed his character to Moses. That means the children of Israel saw the ten plagues and they were like, wow. Look at how powerful our God is. But they didn't know why God was doing what He was doing. They didn't know His character. They didn't know He was love. See, anybody that knows His character, knows He's love, knows that He's trying to turn Pharaoh around. That's what He's trying to do. He's trying to show Pharaoh who he is. That's what he's trying to do. But Pharaoh keeps hardening his own heart. And eventually, God starts hardening his heart. And so when God leads Israel out of Egypt and he leads them to a Red Sea, this is exactly why all the rest of Israel is is frantic. And Moses is saying, calm down. Why? Because all Israel sees is what God does. They do not see who He is. If they would see who He is, they would know He didn't lead us out here to destroy us. He did not lead us out here to leave us. Come on, I think it's time we start recognizing God for who He is, not just what He does. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord again. Thank you, Lord. Let's... let's. So, uh, let's deal with something else here. Let's deal with the aloneness issue. Everybody say the aloneness issue. The issue, there, there, this is the issue. There is no need for self-revelation. Everybody say everlasting to everlasting. There is no need for God to reveal His love or faithfulness or holiness when there's nothing to reveal it to. When God's by Himself what and He's alone why does He have to reveal anything? There's nothing to reveal it to. The need for revelation comes when there's something that needs a revelation. <laughs> Duh. Right? So God's just not up there looking in the mirror and saying you are faithful. <laughs> he already knew who He was and what He was. The issue is prior to creation nothing nothing ever existed that was unholy. Nothing. why, why would God need to reveal his holiness? There's nothing unholy. Okay. God's purity could not be identified as purity because nothing impure existed. You understand where I'm going here. God was not apart or being separated from anything because there was nothing for Him to be apart from. He was the only thing that existed. This means his character had no means of being expressed. You say, well, what in the world is that? Well, that means love is only an ideal if there's no one for God to love. Isn't it great for God to be loved, but there's nothing to love. Somebody say amen. Kindness. Well, he's kind, but there's nothing to be kind to. Godly character in isolation is little more than a theoretical possibility until a second party emerges. Your love is just an ideal until there's somebody to love. Your kindness is just an ideal until there's somebody to be kind to, right? Okay, so we're we're all on the same page. you say, Brother Gene, you, hopefully you're not. Let's look at Genesis two eighteen, And the Lord God said, it is not good. I say, not good. That man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. God is giving us a glimpse into his own heart right now. Here's the deeper truth. That it was not good for man to be alone because it was not good for God to be alone either. The reason we are here is because it was not good for, for God to be all this love and all this kindness and all this faithfulness. There needed to be somebody to benefit from this love and this kind. Oh, <laughs> aren't you glad He created you to love? To be- oh, the love of Jesus! Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. It is precious. And I want to tell you, the moment God determined to create a universe, this earth and living beings, his holiness took on an expression. He began to express. He's no longer alone. His character is now more than just an ideal. There is now something to love, something to be kind to, something to be faithful to. And so now these invisible attributes, love, love, Joy, peace, holiness, faithfulness, all this stuff. Now all of a sudden what was invisible now can be revealed because there's something to to receive the expression of it. Stay with me. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you are in the graduate class. I'm sorry. No, I'm teasing. Just, just stay with me. We're, gonna, we're not going to try to make this complicated, but we're going to try uh, for you to recognize how wonderful his love and his joy and his peace is in our lives. Romans 1 verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Isn't that the truth? You didn't see it before the creation of the world. Why? There was nothing here. He didn't need to express it because there was nothing to express it on. Right? But since the creation, his invisible attributes are now seen. How are they seen? It's in the verse. Being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and it so that they are without excuse. Wait a minute. Here's the objective. This is so... That's next, next, next. Magic finger. Thank you. The objective. Everybody say the objective. Everything that has been created. The universe... The earth, the stars, the moon, the mountains, the seas, the plants, the animals. They are all here to facilitate man. Man is the objective. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you are the objective. You are the purpose. The only reason God put it all here was so he could show you his invisible attributes. I don't know about you, but that's pretty amazing to me that God would create me just to show me who he is. (laughs) Wow. Well, that went over like I, not quite like I thought it would. But I'll say this. How many stood out by the lake? I've seen you. I've seen you get that glassy-eyed sitting out by the lake with your coffee. Oh, this is so awesome. Look, look at the water. Look at the sun. Look, how many's been there? Oh yeah, you're out in the fishing boat late at night and the stars are shining and the catfish are biting and you're going, man, it don't get any better than this. I drove all the way up to Ely, Minnesota, dropped that little kayak in the water, had all my goodies on there, started out across that water and and surrounded by all kind of incredible creation up there in the boundary waters and at night, you know, no phone signal. That's the first great, wonderful miracle. No phone signal. Oh, you get to a camp spot and it gets dark and man, it's real dark and, and you, you can see things out there you can't see here. And it's amazing, but have you ever thought that the reason God put all that there was to reveal himself to you. If you don't see his love in that, then you are without excuse. How can God, if he's love, how can he send somebody to hell? I'll tell you how people are going to be lost is they don't recognize the revelation that God's trying to give them. You see that mountain? I put that there and I put it there for you. And if that doesn't say love, you got your mind messed up. You see that lake out there that you enjoy going fishing on? I want to tell you why I put it there. I put it there to show you who I am and how much I love you. Yes, you should enjoy it, but don't let it distract you from why it's really there. You're the reason it's there. Think about those little horses. Come on. Oh, I love those horses. No, that horse is not just for you to enjoy. It's there for you to know. God loves me. God is, oh. Oh, I'm gonna worship the Lord today because there's a lot of good things in my life because he put them there. Oh, come on, praise the Lord a minute. I don't have a right to be depressed today. I said I don't have a right to be depressed today. I'm going to eat some good fried chicken today. And he put it there. For me. Hello. Anybody thankful for chicken? Let's move on from chicken. Man is the reason. Something to express his holiness. Two, God wants to express Himself to you today in this service. He wants you to see another attribute of Him. Hopefully, with everything that's happening today, you won't get distracted. You won't think this service is just about going to church because I'm supposed to. You won't think the songs are just, well, we've got to sing because that's what we... No, God wants to show you who He is. How mighty he is. How great he is. Somebody say amen. You are the reason. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you are the reason. Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even... When we were dead in trespasses made us alive together in Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Somebody say praise the Lord. And here's the reason that in the ages to come he might show Why did he love you when you were unlovable? Here's the reason. That in the ages that would continue to roll, that he could show you how great his kindness is toward you. I want to tell you, I'm glad I'm saved today. He showed me how kind he is. Come on, somebody praise Him. I had rejected Him, but He brought me out. I was dead, but He gave me life because of His great love for us. He raised us up. Why did He do that? It's in that verse, so that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward you. I want to say something to you. Every man in this room, God has been good to you. Oh yeah, better than I deserve you 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 got your wires crossed if you think I'm going to come in here and be mad at God. No, God is good. Oh, he's been so good to me. I got blessings that I would have never had if it had not been for the Lord in my life. I am here to worship him not because he's narcissistic, not because he likes us talking about, no, I'm here to praise him because he's been good to me. He... Oh. Come on, take a minute and worship Him. If you feel like God's been good to you, come on, let Him know how much you appreciate it. Come on. Come on, thank you, Lord, for making a way. I got health today because you're a healer, I got a roof over my head because you're a provider. You're good, you're always good. Well, let's praise him. Let's just keep on praising him a minute. Come on. Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm here to lift up my eyes unto you. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Just as a man can put the depth of his capacity to love. Listen, how many feel like you've got love in your heart? How many know your wife doesn't know it until you show it? Well, I told her the day I married her, (laughs) and if I change my mind, I'll let her know. No, love is only love when it's expressed. It's only an attribute if it's not expressed. I can be the most loving person in the world, but I need to love something. And every man has the capacity to show his wife how much he loves her. And just like every man, God put that in you, just like in every man there's a tendency to want to show someone your kindness, to show someone your good faith, so it is that God shows the depth and the greatness of His love by His kindness toward us. This is who God is, and this is what He's all about. Everything God says and does everything God says and does revolves around his plan to obtain a bride a people who love who he is let me let me tell you something let me let me just let me jump up on top of the mountain and look out into the distance just for a minute. I am going to tell you something. Before it's all over with, it's going to boil down. It's not going to boil down to Pentecost, Baptist, Assembly of God, Presbyterian. No, No, it's not going to boil down to that. It's going to boil down between love and hate. It's that simple. That's who God is. He's love. And eventually, He's going to reveal how powerful that love is. He's not hate. He doesn't hate anybody. He's not willing that any should perish. I don't care what color their skin is or what religious background they come from. He's not willing that anybody perish. This is ultimately going down to love and hate, faithfulness, unfaithfulness, kindness, cruelty. Oh, I'm not, oh, well, get sure because I want to tell you, the Bible says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy I've come that you might have life. And ultimately, once the Antichrist gets out of the way, we're going to see the war that's going on between light and darkness. And those two kingdoms, one's full of love, kindness, purity, holiness, righteousness, and the other is full of hate and murder and gossip and backbiting and unrighteousness and filthiness. Eventually, it's going to rise to the surface and you're going to see That these are the two wars that are being, this is the war that's being fought between two kingdoms. But you know what? I know he loves me. I know there's no hate in him at all. No, he loves me. And I am here experiencing his love because he wanted a bride. Now I can get haywire and upset and want to do my own thing and like to get high and blame it on God. Brother Gary liked that. I want to get high. Well, yeah, that's exactly why you're here. That's the sum total of your existence. That's exactly why God created you. serious I've lost enough of my brain cells I'm not sure I want to lose anymore they say the best of us only use 10% of our brain are you kidding me some of you want to lessen that (laughs) have at it have at it go after it if you want to shut down more of your brain go after it not me God created me for better things. Love, joy, peace. What about thinking on things? The Bible tells you even what to think about. Think about those things that are of good report. Lovely. This is what God does in your life. Somebody say amen. Well, okay, let's let's move along. So, uh, God... God wanted to show us His love. He wanted a bride because it's not good for God to be alone. He was from everlasting to everlasting. So why did God create us and why did God want something, an object to receive His attributes so that in the ages to come He might show His kindness? I say, God wanted to show us. Say with me, the reason I'm here is because God wanted to show me everything that He is. Wow. You mean I'm not just created to go fishing? I mean, I thought that was why I was here. No, I'm here because God wants me to know Him. Somebody say amen. So every holiness principle, God, everything God says and does revolves around the objective of And that's you. Everybody say you. Turn to neighbor and tell them, that's me. Okay, let's look look at the scriptural basis. And you say, well, Brother Gene, we've already seen a lot of scriptures. Well, let's just tie it up real quick in the last five minutes. There are some things we can know. There are some things we can know because God has revealed them. We wouldn't know them otherwise. Let's look at one, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us. Isn't that amazing? That there are things that we would not know unless God showed them to us. Isn't that right? Oh, I want to tell you right now. I don't have to go very far on that list we had up there in a minute ago from Galatians 5. But I want you to know, I would not know the love of God if he hadn't revealed it to me. Oh, Bible school doesn't show you that. Okay. There is much that God has revealed about himself and his purpose And out of those things that he's revealed, I can derive with some certainty principles by which he wants me to live. By what he's shown me, I can derive what he wants for me. Okay, 1 Peter 1, 18. Knowing. That you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. You got it honestly. It's in your DNA. You're not redeemed with silver and gold. Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times For you. He was from the foundation of the world. He's from everlasting to everlasting. But he was manifest in the last time for me. Somebody say amen. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. The word foreordained simply means to know beforehand. And God knew before he created that he would one day enter his creation as the form of a man and shed his own blood for the salvation of mankind. How thrilling it is to understand that I'm not an afterthought. I'm going to go enjoy some fishing today because I'm not an afterthought. Well, maybe. Okay. Okay. I marvel that you're removed so quickly from the simplicity that's in the gospel you are not an afterthought you're here for a reason Okay, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7 but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew for had they known they would not have even the devil didn't know what God was up to Jesus hanging on a cross for the sins of mankind. The devil didn't even know what he was doing. He thought he was just killing another boy, oh, but he—oh, something was happening there, folks. If the princes of this age would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory, but they did, and because of that, I'm here today. Blood bought, redeemed. I know His love. I know His peace. I know His joy. Oh, let's clap our hands unto Jesus right now for what he's done for all of us. (laughs) Ephesians, Ephesians 1 verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. Let's talk about something just for a second. I, I hesitate to go there because it could take me a long time. But you help me by grasping it quickly, okay? I, I'm, I'm losing patience with all these people that say, you know, I, I, you know, all these people that articulate, you know, there are certain people in religion just think it's all about works. Well, wait a minute, I want to say something to you. Did you notice in those nine fruits of the Spirit that are in our lives because God's there, that shows us at least that there are nine things that God is, because when He comes into our lives, that's what we get. Okay, you did notice one of those was goodness, right? That He's going to be good. Right. And the only way we get that goodness is by his spirit. These are gifts of the spirit. You just can't go be good by yourself. That's human goodness. So, actually, the people saying, oh, if you're trying to be good, oh, you know, you're trying to do these things, you're trying. No, really, the person that's trying to be saved by works is the person that doesn't have the spirit. Because all their love and goodness is human love and human goodness. You cannot love the way Jesus wants you to love without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. But once the Holy Spirit comes in, it's not your love anymore. It's not, it's not your goodness anymore. Well, that brother Gene, he's just trying to be... No, I'm not trying to be good. God's good. And when I see what he is... Man, I want to be that. See, you wouldn't have a problem with me saying since God is faithful, I want to be faithful. But when it translates into my modesty, what I believe about my marriage, what I believe about the way I should dress, all of a sudden now that's works. No, it's just like faithfulness. Goodness is an attribute of God and he wants me to be good because he's good. So turn to your neighbor and tell them this lesson really is summed up in one thing be good. Be good. Turn to your neighbor and tell them be good. Yeah, that's not works. If God is good, He wants us to be good. Somebody say amen. All right, Ephesians 1 4. I think I just read that He chose us from the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. Everybody said He chose us to be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. What a statement. That, I don't have time, but before the foundation of the world, God determined that out of the masses of humanity, he would gather a body of believers and adopt them as his own children. Wow, not only that, but that these people that he adopted as sons would be holy as he is holy. So it's not outdated, it's not unpopular. In fact, from everlasting to everlasting, God has been holy. And he's producing that holiness in me. Titus 1 and 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Listen, before He ever created anything, God had a plan, and it was eternal life. Ephesians 5, 27. That He might present Jesus Christ had a desire, to adopt some people as his own, and he called them the church. If I say the church, he described her also as a bride. The church is female, she is called to bring forth children. Ephesians 5.27, talking about this bride, he says that Paul said that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. Now I want to say something to you, churches that say holiness is outdated, you need to read Ephesians 5.27. God is concerned about his bride being holy. Without oh, you're not hearing me. He wants us to love like he loves, to be faithful like he's faithful, to be good like he is good. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord right now, and I close. Turn to your neighbor and tell him I can do that. You know why I can do that? Because the Holy Ghost is in me. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I can do what God, I can be what God wants me to be. I can do what God wants me to do. Why? Because he's filled me with his spirit. I'm his child. I'm created in his image. The fulfillment of this promise is coming pretty shortly. You better get ready. You better get your eyes off this world. You better get your eyes off the stupidity of religious systems. You better get your eyes off of false doctrine and and people with itchy ears and every wind of doctrine and running after this and running after that. You better get your feet on the rock. You better put your feet on the foundation. Because this is about to happen, First Thessalonians four seventeen. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, those that are dead in Christ, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always... All <clears throat> oh, forever, the term is forever... The King James Version does, shall we forever be with the Lord. Notice that term is always. That means from that point until everlasting, there will never be a time we are not together with the Lord. When he comes back for his children, we will always be with the Lord. That's why God has given us the opportunity here to get it straight before we get there because he is good. So no evil's gonna go there and get straightened out. If you're gonna be always with him, you better be good. You can't take hate there and then God get it out of you. Know That's why you're here. He wants to get it out of you here. He wants you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling here. Because once he comes, we'll always be in a place of goodness, peace, joy, long-suffering. Can you believe it, Joyce? We are going to eternally be in a system of self-control. You might better start trying it now. Well, I just can't control Well, wait a minute. You need to get it. Because there is going to be... Hey, if the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, you're going you're gonna to be eternally in a system of self-control. You're, you're sitting there wondering, now what in the world do I need to self-control over if I'm going to be in the kingdom? Well, think about this. When he comes for his church, I don't have time to mess with eschatology, but when, we, when the Lord comes for his church, there's going to be a thousand years of peace where the Bible specifically tells us that his adopted sons and daughters will rule as kings and priests. You better have some self-control. But, uh, yeah, because you're going to be ruling some systems of this world uh oh! Now yeah, the Bible tells us he, Jesus is coming back to this earth, and He's going to be in Jerusalem. But Jerusalem's not going to be the only place in the earth. Here will be maybe you'll still be in Salem, and you're going to be a king. Can you imagine the king of Salem? You better get some self-control now, because He's trying to make you a king and a priest. You will forever, everybody say forever, forever be with the Lord. I'm thankful for what He is. Now, next week we're going to see how He showed us how this relates to us in the. And I kind of uh, took the long way about all these attributes and why God wanted to show us who He is, because He wanted us to know He's love, He's joy, He's peace, He's long suffering, He's gentle, He's good. He's faithful. Well, next week we're going to get back into that Garden of Eden where where initially this interacted in a correct way and really see what God wants for us, what He really desires for us. Somebody say amen. So let's stand together. Let's pray and ask the Lord.